Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well. Welcome to the JL Smith Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. And today we're going to be focusing on health. And this is an episode I am super excited to do today um, because Sachin Patel is kind of, uh, I don't know, he's evolving, right? He's a jack of all trades. He's got a really cool, fun background. Um, I've heard him speak a couple of times. Brian, you've been listening to his podcast. And uh, Sachin, you're actually going to come speak to all of our uh, financial advisor entrepreneurs in Quebec City in February. So I'm really excited about that. So I said, you know what, let's have them on the JL Smith podcast and talk about holistic health management and how breath work, right, really plays into that. And I'm sure we'll veer off into a couple other related topics around holistic health management. But Sachin, welcome. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful and honored for this opportunity. I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since we set up this uh, time together and and really percolating on on what I want to share today. And, and so I'm super thrilled, honored and excited. Thank you for thank you for doing this really for everybody, because I love that both of you and your whole team, really, you get it right, that health and wealth uh, are synonymous. However, if you had to pick, most people would pick health. Yeah, there's an there's an old uh, it's like an Indian proverb. I believe it's a man in good health has a thousand wishes, and a man in poor health has only one. Yes. And uh, I when I heard that, I was like, oh man, that's just so powerful. Um, these days, I don't know. We we gotta change it. It can't be a man. It's a it's a person, right? That's right. I think that's the way it was originally written. Well, here, here's the thing. Everyone wants health for themselves and everyone wants health for everyone else, right? Especially their children. And so, yeah, it re really needs to be as inclusive. Every generation, every age, every gender uh, health is, is our, our pets. Like, you know, everyone, everything deserves health and wellness and, and really balance. I think that's the main thing is we are designed and built for balance. And when things are teetering out of balance uh, in the world, let's say, you know, as is the macrocosm, so is a microcosm. So we're just reflecting back, you know, constantly back and forth with the outer world and the inner world. You know, Sachin, before we, I, you know, want to ask you a question about what your definition of holistic health management is, just to hear it in your own words. Um, but before we do that, you know, I think, you know, in, in a strange kind of way, as I say this out loud, you're a little bit of the definition of a holistic, you know, health management guru, because um, I'd love for you to just kind of share, you know, your background, you know, as a chiropractor, as a, you know, um, as a practitioner of functional medicine, and just your evolution and kind of what you do and, and, and your, your journey, because I think the viewers will learn a little bit about that before we uh, get into the rest. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. I, I humbly receive uh, the word guru. However, I, the first thing I want to point out is that I'm, uh, if anything, the eternal student. So for me, it's I just keep picking up new skills. I keep learning new things. I empty my cup every morning so I can learn from every conversation and interaction that I have. 
And I think that if, if, if anything, that's the most important thing that people can take away from this is be the eternal student and the eternal skeptic. And as much as possible, when these two things align, you, you know, things are going to go right for you. So I started off as a chiropractor. You can't take that out of me because the chiropractic philosophy is that chiropractic is more than a procedure. It's, it's an entire lifestyle system, starting with the belief that we are innately capable of healing ourselves and everything that we need uh, it resides within us. In fact, we are just a hologram, right? So billions of cells will die during this conversation and billions of them will be replenished silently uh, and effortlessly on our part and passively, right? So. We're just a hologram and, and we're constantly being reborn. And so in any moment, we can decide to change and move our health forward, whether that's through nutrition, our thought process, our environment, our relationships, the things that we think about, right? The food that we put into our body, the way we breathe. These are all conscious and eventually unconscious things that we can do that passively help us improve health. So chiropractic is not the, the adjustment. Chiropractic is also what happens when you're not in the office. And so once I learned and adopted that philosophy, I realized that I never have to lay my hands on a single person ever again to help improve somebody's health. In fact, during this conversation, I can teach people, everyone who's listening, things that they can do to improve their health without even being physically present to them. So technology has allowed uh, myself and this philosophy to propagate. And what will happen is it'll be so simple, the things that people will learn today, they can teach it to other people. So there's virality in this process. And what I love is that we can do something so disruptive in, in a positive way to help people heal without having to build anything, without having to do any more research, without having to even ship a product, because you are the product and you are the service to yourself if you learn how to be healthy. So my career evolved into functional medicine and functional medicine is it's essentially root cause personalized bespoke healthcare. Right. So there's two lovely gentlemen sitting in front of me. Both of you could eat the exact same food, but there's going to be different things that happen to that food in your individual bodies. So you could put the exact same food in. But if I were to do a stool test on you, there'd be a different output, right? Based on how well you digest that food, based on your microbiome, right? Based on your thought process and your emotions towards that food, right? Everything changes on the other end but you would get the same treatment or the assumptions would be that the exact same thing is going to happen in your bodies. So functional medicine allows us to understand looking at the individual's biochemistry, what their specific needs are for health optimization. And then I realized uh, through an evolutionary process of, you know, really working with thousands of people that most people were not even doing the most basic things when they came to their health. So then we went back to a first principles approach. And a first principles approach is so disruptive to healthcare because it makes the patient the doctor. And so what I believe is that the doctor of the future is, is the patient. That's really the only solution that we have to our healthcare crisis. It's not more functional medicine doctors, right? It's not more people living to, to, uh, to create a life of illness and at age 50 then decide to turn their health around. What if they knew how to be healthy from the very beginning? What would that world look like? What if everyone was passively healthy? They didn't have to actively work towards being healthy. The people that live the longest don't think about their health. Isn't that crazy? They're not obsessed with their health. It's passive. It's built into their lifestyle. They're not even having to think about it. It's their default setting is doing the providing the inputs to the body that it needs in order for it to be healthy. Just like a plant, right? If a plant is wilting, it might need water. 
It might need more sunlight. It might need better soil, right? It might have a disease or an imbalance in the soil that's being created that's disrupting the, the root structure, right? I don't know what it needs. If I give it water and it, and it, it continues to die, maybe it needs something else. So functional medicine allows us to look at, um, you know, the individual lifestyle medicine allows us to create the correct inputs that the individual and everybody needs. And so we would have people come to us. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, we would have people come to us and they would have bounced around to every single doctor under the sun saying that they tried everything. And I look at their diet. I'm like, this diet should, you should feel better on this diet compared to this one, compared to this one. And then we would start asking a simple question. Instead of telling me what you eat, tell me how you eat. And most people don't chew their food. They eat under stress, right? So they're doing something that requires blood flow to go to their gut so they can digest that food. But their, their, their stress and their nervous system is telling all the blood to go to their arms and legs. So we realize that people's autonomic nervous systems are completely mismatched. They want to go forward, but their transmission stuck in reverse. So they, they never do that job properly. And, and so then that evolved into realizing, what if we went back to first principles? What if we just got people doing the most basic things, like chewing their food, like pooping in the right position, right? Most people poop in the wrong position, like getting them to breathe correctly, like getting them to close their mouth while they sleep using a, piece, a small piece of tape, right? Getting them to uh, realign their, uh, their circadian rhythm with the rising and setting of the sun, and get rid of toxic lighting uh, in their homes and just see what happens when we give the body the right inputs. And here's what happened. People started getting healthy way faster than ever before, way more affordably than ever before, and a way that could be transferred to their entire family instantly. Because if I change the lighting in your home, everyone benefits, right? If I realign the, the family with the rising and setting of the sun, everyone benefits, Right. If we make little changes, microscopic changes to the nutrition, everyone benefits. If I put a squatty potty in the bathroom, everyone benefits. So now the entire family instantly becomes healthier. Nobody has to get sick and then try to get healthy. They can just learn how to be healthy. And instead of preventing disease, we can create health. So philosophically, it's a very different approach, right? Just like with our clients, we're not trying to prevent bankruptcy. That's not why they're joining in this community, right? They're trying to create wealth. And they're two completely different philosophies and philosophical approaches towards what we're trying to actually create. So in no other area of our life do we have this backwards approach towards something that's so important. We, have, we should have a forward-looking approach. Most of medicine is looking in the rearview mirror, right? When you get lab work done, you're looking in the rearview mirror where you're telling me what's, what happened in the past, right? But in lifestyle medicine, we look through the windshield. So we create a future of where we actually want to go. Think of your GPS. Uh, with your GPS, you don't put all the places you don't want to go, hoping you end up where you want to be. You put exactly where you want to go. And so just switching that paradigm for us in our practice is, has kind of evolved us. And then what I learned about a few years ago is breathing. And I realized breathing is actually the most disruptive technology that we have at the moment to actually um, cure uh, and radically improve the health of every single human being without having to build or ship anything. So when we have this conversation, it's going to really blow people's minds away because they can instantly um, and within minutes or hours heal trauma. They can 
learn how to use their breath to control every single cell, tissue, organ, and system in their body simultaneously. They can turn on instantly the healing processes in the body, lower their blood pressure, raise their blood pressure, increase the warmth and poor temperature, increase blood flow to their arms and legs, improve sexual health. I mean, all of these things are possible just by learning and teaching people how to breathe and control their body and their physiology and their neurochemistry. You can actually control your emotions through your breath as well. And, you know, it, it, we already know this. And once we get into this conversation, I explain it to you, it's going to be so blatantly obvious and you're going to be so mad. Nobody taught you this before. Yeah. I think one thing I just want to repeat multiple times is the doctor of the future is the patient. And that's it. I've heard you say this before because I'm also the, the student want to learn more, but that's so powerful, right? You're talking about these basic concepts of the things we take for granted, sitting on the toilet correctly, breathing correctly, sitting down to eat your, your food. And I'm one of the, the worst at it because I'm always on the go and I'm stuffing food in my mouth. Go, go, go. But when you tell me it's like, you know what? All that blood flow is going to my other limbs and everywhere else. And it's not taking the time to digest the food. And I suffer from psoriatic arthritis. And a lot of people have told me it's it's my gut health. It's my stomach. That's what's creating the arthritis, the inflammation, also the psoriasis mm -hmm. on my skin. So I appreciate that. that that's a breakthrough for me right there. I, I want to talk about breathing. I, I really do. So for me personally, what I've read before and what I've studied is like, use your nose, right? Kind of intake through your nose. And then if you're going to use your mouth, use that as the, the exhaust or, or the outflows. Am I doing things correctly? Should I just be using my nose all the time? I've kind of, over the last decade or so, just trained myself just to use my nose like 90% of the time, even when I'm running and exercising. Can you give me a little bit of feedback on this? Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, definitely we'll unpack the, uh, the psoriasis and the, and the gut health and how that relates to breathing in this conversation. So I want to I want to definitely acknowledge you and thank you for for sharing that. That that's helpful for me and instructive for me for where we can steer this conversation to be helpful for you. So there's three gears to breathing we like to think of. We should the majority of the time, as much as we can consciously and unconsciously, be breathing through our nose. Our nose is a ornate structure that's been perfected to perfect the air that goes into our body. So that's kind of the gear that we should be in most of the time. Most of the time, our physiology should be in a rest and state physiology. If you ever follow a, an, an animal that you see on TV around, it lives the most boring life possible, right? So when we see lions, uh, right, usually like if you're watching a documentary on lions, they show you in their most active and fierce and uh, hunting and chasing type of form, right? They're not doing that most of the day. Most of the day, they're doing nothing, right? And so human beings, on the other hand, are just constantly doing something. And so one of the first things uh, that we can, so, this, so the most primary breath that we want to be in uh, consciously is six seconds in, six seconds out, breathing through our nose. Now, the second gear, so if we have to get up and exert ourselves, then we can breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth so that we can dissipate the CO2 that's building. So when we're sitting, when we're at rest, the majority of the time when we're consciously in our breath, we should be breathing in and out through our nose. If we become more active and we're incapable then of breathing through our nose, then we can breathe out through our mouth. So in through the nose as an intake, out through the mouth as the exhaust. And then if we really have to exert ourselves, which is less than 1% of our day, 
this is like a all out sprint, then we're going to probably have to breathe in and out through our mouth. Right. And that's usually very short lived. It's usually very temporary. Uh, in our somatic breathing practices, we, we will typically do that uh, for very short bursts and periods of time because it is creating a stress response in the body. And as you'll learn, you're, you're essentially your breath is the steering wheel of your nervous system. And so when you want to be in fight or flight, you want to be breathing in a certain pattern that initiates the production of adrenaline and gets your heart pumping really fast and hard because every breath you take also as the, as you inhale and exhale, you're pumping the heart as well, because your lungs will expand and contract, squeezing the heart to increase blood pressure. So you can push that blood to your arms and legs. What are the benefits of breathing in your nose, Sachin, other than, you know, you kind of referenced the almost stress, right? Management component mm -hmm. of it. Are there any other benefits? Yeah, great question. So I'll unpack this because many people listening may have children or even grandchildren. So it's important that you pay attention to how you breathe as an adult consciously, but it's crucially important that you pay attention to how a child breathes, uh, especially as they're growing up, because the way we breathe actually affects our facial structure. Uh, so let me explain this to you, and I'll use my son as an example. So my son uh, eats super healthy, as I imagine all of us try to do for our children. You know, no sugar. He's never had soda. He's never had McDonald's, at least to my awareness. And he's 13. <laughs> so, uh, so to my awareness, we've never taken him there. Right. And, and so, uh, the important thing I'm saying here is that when we took him to the dentist for the first time, the dentist is like, he's got tons of cavities and we're like, what the heck? And so that was flag number one, because he eats healthy and he takes good care of his oral health. Cause his mom is really anal about oral health. And, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. So we were kind of scratching our heads. Clue number two is he used to drool. Okay. So if your child drools while they sleep, I want you to pay attention. And then what we realized, uh, rule number, uh, rule number three here, or clue number three here was that we went to the dentist and he, the dentist said that his teeth were crowding and that he may have to have some teeth pulled. And so that was a red flag for me. And something's not right here. And right around the same time, I learned about James Nestor, and I read his book, Breath. And what I realized is that my son was a mouth breather, and because of that, his tongue was not in the correct position. And when your tongue is in the correct position, it allows your upper palate to form correctly. Your tongue actually acts as a spacer. So the way we should be breathing, so that's really important. So when we breathe in when our mouth is closed, our tongue is in the roof of our mouth, we're breathing in and out through our nose, that creates the right facial structure, creates a nice wide airway. Many children these days are having to have their teeth pulled because their faces are being formed way too small. So they don't have too many teeth, They're, they don't have a wide enough palate because their tongue was sitting in the bottom of their mouth instead of the top of their mouth. When your tongue is at the top of your mouth, it instantly relaxes your nervous system. This is why children... Uh, will use their thumb and put it in the top of their mouth because there's a little magic button there that calms them down. So instantly a child is calmed when they put their thumb in their mouth. The reason they use their thumb is because they may have something called a tongue tie underneath their tongue, which prevents their own tongue from being able to touch them there. What that then does is the, the thumb pushes the palate upwards and that causes a small airway. So these are things that we want to pay attention to when our children are young, because it can save parents tens of thousands of dollars in 
dental work, uh, the, the, your, you have built-in braces. Your tongue and your lips are your braces when your mouth is positioned correctly. So my parents, for example, uh, have perfect teeth, okay? I know we're, we might be going off on a tangent here, but no, I think- this is great. Think, Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I think, you'll find, I think you'll find this very fascinating. So human beings are the only animals and species on the planet that have crooked teeth. No other animal on the planet has crooked teeth, okay? So you can look at, um, you know, across, across all animals, right? Animals don't have dentists, right? How do they have all the, how do they have perfect teeth? So my parents have perfect teeth. My grandparents have perfect teeth. All my uncles have perfect teeth. And what was really fascinating is they, they didn't understand this concept of braces. And, and so we never had braces growing up. I was always kind of jealous of uh, kids who had braces because to me, it represented wealth. And in, in my eyes, if you had braces, you were rich, right? Because our parents yeah. never get braces because they couldn't afford it. They didn't have the insurance to cover it. So, so we had this like weird delusional connection between braces and status, right? And, and so I'm like, they're like, we don't understand this. Our teeth are perfect. Like, why do you guys need this? Uh, and my teeth aren't bad. So I, I probably didn't need the braces anyways. But the reason people's jaws are small these days is, is two reasons. Their tongue isn't in the right place. And the food that we eat is very soft. The softness of that food, even if it's healthy, it's mechanically processed to make it easy for people to swallow, for babies to swallow, but it doesn't create any stimulation of their jaw. So their jaw doesn't actually form correctly. So now you're seeing people with smaller and smaller faces, smaller and smaller airways. And anything that creates a disruption in our breathing, imagine, imagine taking a supercar and making the air intake smaller on it, right? Yeah. You would choke it, you'd choke the engine. So what's happening is you can still drive the car, but you can't drive it to its full capabilities. And so dysfunctional breathing is like you have a supercar with a clogged air intake or the air, the, you know, the air filter is all, all clogged up and the intake is now smaller than what it used to be. It's, you're going to function, you're going to get by, you probably get a lot of miles out of that car, but you'll never get peak potential out of that car. So here's why my parents never needed braces because they never brushed their teeth. And that sounds weird right? Like that sounds disgusting when we think about it from our cultural perspective. What they used to get is they used to chew on a branch of a neem tree. So they would chew on this branch and chewing on that branch would stimulate their jaw. It would actually stimulate their jaw to form correctly and large enough because you're chewing on something for five to 10 minutes every day. And then what they would do, the oils would be released from that branch to protect their teeth they never had any cavities. They didn't have any of these braces, no braces, no cavities, no dentists, right? The idea of going to a dentist is a foreign concept to them. And, and so what chewing would stimulate the jaw production, the oils would be released and would, would create a healthy microbiome in the gut. They would be breathing correctly. So their tongue would be in the right position. They would have a well-formed airway. Okay. And so they would have, they would have never have any dental diseases or any dental issues until they would move to you know, foreign countries and they would stop doing that. They would stop using that stick and they would start brushing their teeth. And now their teeth have no stimulation because all their food is over-processed, mechanically over-processed and overcooked. The average human being used to chew four, four, four hours a day. Wow. Four hours a day is how much our ancestors chewed. So they had these beautiful airways and beautiful jaws and beautiful teeth because they, why would your teeth fall out of your face? Because you're not stimulating anything for them to stay in there because everything just gets softer and softer and softer. Yeah. So, so, so if you look at a dog, when you give a dog a bone, what does it do? It bites and it pulls. It bites and it pulls because that causes 
its jaw to form and its facial structure to form correctly. Yeah, I, I just listened to a dentist the other day, and Jason, you can ask the question next is, what is what is nature's toothbrush? It's an apple, right? And mm -hmm. he used the example, he's like, go eat a cheeseburger, go eat chicken fingers, whatever it be, and then, and then lick your teeth, feel your teeth, and you'll feel that film on it, and you'll feel like you would need to brush your teeth. But then go eat an apple afterwards. Like you're saying with the neem tree, it just cleans your teeth naturally. There's these natural toothbrushes in nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, and I tell you, you had shared this with me, Sachin, a couple years ago on a session um, that you conducted. And it was so insightful. And I remember it was like a light switch went on and I've made changes in my life because of it. Uh, this is probably two, three years ago. And um, when you share it, because for me, I'm a mouth breather, right? I've always had like chronic, chronic sinusitis and it's caused me to be a mouth breather. Um, I had to have eight teeth removed when I got braces, right? My retainer was really high compared to like other friends that I had retainers Fingers with your friends. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You could see like, you know, and mine was always really high um, because of the, uh, you know, because of, you know, a smaller jaw that you're describing. And then I see my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, Berkeley, she's having the same kind of trends, right? Like a mouth mm -hmm. breather. I notice she's drooling. I notice like, and we're giving them smoothies every day right? Like they weren't, they weren't chewing. And so we've like phased that out. Smoothies are more treats or supplement to the meal. Now they're chewing. You know, I actually, um, you know, just a, a multitude without going on that I've done because of, you know, what you've shared. I haven't tried the mouth taping. I recently shared that with my wife and uh, I need like her to do a little bit more education on that because mm -hmm. when you hear it initially, you're like, "What? You're gonna take my kid's mouth shut?" Yeah. <laughs> so my wife actually, she bad snoring, and it was hard for me to sleep with. I'm such a light sleeper, so I was sleeping with like things over my eyes, so I don't see the light, earplugs, and I'm still hearing this snoring. She'll she's gonna read me out once she hears this podcast, but that's all right. And I said, "You gotta look into to taping your mouth when you sleep." And the first few nights she did it, she goes, I can't believe how good my sleep was, right? She was like, this mm -hmm. is just like incredible. So it was forcing her to use the nose and breathe in and out of the nose. And she had similar things that you said about your daughter. So it's it's very powerful to what you're, what you're sharing with us here. I've actually retrained myself. Like even before I go to bed, you know, I'll meditate a lot of times before I go to bed most every morning. But and I and ever since I learned that from you, um, I consciously close my mouth as I'm going to sleep, you know, and, and breathe and breathe through my nose. And I feel like there's been a certain amount of self-correction that mm -hmm. is that I've been able to experience because of that. Yeah, I you know, it, what's what's crazy is we're literally just scratching the surface of this topic. And and I, and I want to close the loop because you asked a very important question about uh, why breathe through the nose. And so, first of all, the younger we can create consciousness and awareness around this, uh, it's so important, so valuable, because the other thing that happens when somebody is a mouth breather is not, not only does it affect their facial structure and, and their future uh, facial breathing capabilities, but it also affects their nervous system and uh, the uh, chemicals that they're producing as well. This child or this adult is more likely to produce 
chemistry in their body that leans on the side of anxiety. So there's a low grade mm -hmm. anxiousness that uh, somebody will have, and they're going to be on the edge and be more easily agitated because their nervous system is slightly shifted towards a fight or flight response because the way we breathe actually informs our nervous system to then create the chemicals and the chemistry in order to respond to stress, right? So if we have stress breathing, then our body makes stress chemicals. And so what's really cool about uh, becoming aware and raising consciousness of, about breathing is like, I like to think of it like the steering wheel of the, of, of the car. So imagine having a supercar without a steering wheel, right? It just doesn't work. You know, we have the air intake, which is the nose, but then the way we breathe is like we can actually steer and, and impact our body in a certain way. When we breathe through our nose, it pressurizes the air. By pressurizing the air, it we get 20% more oxygen delivery. So we Im immediately improve uh, energy efficiency just by breathing through our nose. The nose is lined with mucus that produces nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is produced by the right chemistry in the mouth and by nasal breathing. What nitric oxide does is it kills viruses and bacteria on contact. So it literally uh, filters the air and sterilizes the air with every breath. When we breathe through our nose, we recapture moisture as well. So about 30 to 40% of the moisture is recaptured, which means that we're not always thirsty. We're not always having to drink water. We become more efficient with how we utilize water in our body. Because when we breathe through our mouth, we don't recapture that moisture. Okay. So if you're traveling, you need less water, right? Because if you're off-gassing all that water, you're going to be dehydrated all the time. So it, uh, it moisture regulates the air. It temperature regulates the air. So it perfects the air going into the body. Just like you'd want to perfect the air going into the engine of your car, you'd want to do the same for your body. The mouth, on the other hand, is the dirtiest part of the body. So when we breathe in, we're inhaling microparticulates of all the bacteria, right? goes right into our lungs. And now the immune system that is housed in our lungs is always under attack, right? Even if it's microscopic, it's just this constant attack, 23,000 breaths a day of bacteria being inhaled versus, you know, let's say 20,000. I mean, I'll take that all day, right? 20,000 yeah. perfected breaths every day versus, you know, breathing unconsciously and, and breathing in this air that's just keeping my nervous system in that constant uh, flow state or it's just constantly on, which is very energy intensive. So the nose is, is, is so important and so overlooked and we don't really talk about it because we can't really see it, right? We just kind of aesthetically, we can see it, but we don't understand all the beauty that's happening on the inside and what it's doing for our body. Oh, that's awesome. So, so what's the name of that tape if somebody did want to try and, uh, and order some of this on Amazon? Uh, you yeah. suggested, yeah. Yeah, so there's this there's this company called Hostage Tape that's out there, and and I think that <laughs> and it, and it's funny, and I think I think the marketing is great, but I I don't recommend you know if you're if you're hesitant or reluctant at all to uh, to mouth tape, I don't recommend that type of tape because it covers the whole mouth, and that can be that can create a lot of anxiety for people, and especially if you're trying to introduce it to a child, it's hard to convince the mom or sometimes the dad. <laughs> that uh, that this is like what we want, right? And there there could be trauma around that too. So I don't I I see the marketing everywhere, but and nothing, it's not a shot against them. I just want to make sure that we introduce mouth taping in a way that's comfortable for everyone. And so basically, I encourage people to get 3M micro pore tape. You can get it at any any pharmacy, and and basically you're just going to put a piece of tape vertically, uh, like this. It's just about an inch, 
Okay. It's easy to, you can push it off with your tongue or, you know, take it off with your hand. It's pretty easy to do that. But when you put the tape vertically, you can still breathe through your mouth if you want to. The idea here isn't to seal the mouth necessarily. You can still talk, you can still breathe. It's, it's not uncomfortable at all. Um, and you can also work your way up into it. You can start with five minutes during the day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a nap, and then try to introduce it in the, at nighttime. So you can you know, work your way up to introducing that concept to the child, but also to the parents. Um, and, and so it's really, that's, that's all we suggest. That's all you need. The goal isn't to seal the mouth. The goal is to uh, keep the mouth closed and to keep the jaw relaxed because a lot of kids and adults clench their teeth. So this prevents them, uh, it, it reduces the likelihood of them clenching their teeth. It's hard to clench your teeth when your tongue is in the right position. Yeah. So the thing I want to talk about for all of our viewers and listeners here is like, I shared with you before, I realized I was a mouth breather for many years and I just had to subconsciously think like, I read the same book you did, the importance of, of breathing through your nose, but what are some basic techniques that we could share with the audience here that would get them on that path to start using their nose more. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing is, uh, and, and always is raising consciousness and awareness. So the first place I start checking in now, any task I'm doing, if I'm going to sit there down and write an email, if I'm going to go uh, for a walk, I just check in with my breath every step of the way. Right. So I look at it like the steering wheel, right? Okay. We're going in this direction. Okay. I just need to bring my, breath and you know just like i'd adjust the steering wheel i just need to adjust my breath in accordance to the activity that i'm trying to do to create the most efficiency so there is no one right way of breathing the right way of breathing is uh, breathing for the moment just like steering for the moment so you're like always bringing breathing it from your subconscious to your conscious just right exactly so you raise that awareness because it's always there it's always something you can check into and it'll enhance every experience that you're having in life because now your nervous system is, is paired correctly with what you're trying to accomplish. And so checking in, keeping the tongue in the roof of the mouth. So the jaw relaxed, tongue at the roof of the mouth, that's where you want your tongue resting most of the day. It's a postural muscle, and you'll almost instantly feel relaxed when your tongue is in that position. That, that kind of seals your mouth in a way, causing you to breathe in and out through your nose. The average breath should be imperceptible. So the person sitting next to you shouldn't hear you breathing. Okay. Your breath should be six seconds in, six seconds out. You're not taking a full inhale and exhale. Just like when you go for a walk, you're not taking a full stride with every step you take. So you're breathing uh, in and out very gently. Okay. So that's your, that's the cadence you want to be in most of the day. At night, we encourage people to use mouth tape because that encourages their mouth to stay closed. And during the day, you just want to, again, be aware if you can't, uh, if, you know, you want to breathe in and out through your nose as much as possible. Second gear is in through the nose, out through the mouth. And the third gear, if you're in an all out sprint, right, then you, that's when you're going to go in and out through the mouth. So that's the majority of the way that people should be breathing. If we kind of look at a 24 hour clock. Yeah. What about laughter? I'm big and Jay knows this, like working with him is like, I always like to laugh. Is there mm -hmm. a certain way to breathe and laugh at the same time? Or, or is this just good for your body? What, what do you think about, I mean, I, I'm one always to laugh. This is uh, such a great question. So um, our breath informs our nervous system and our nervous system informs our breath. So it's a two-way street, which means that, you know, you can go to laughter yoga classes 
And basically the exercise there is to go there and you start laughing. So uh, laughing is a form of breath work. Crying is a form of breath work. Yawning is a form of breath work. Gasping is a form of breath work. Uh, sighing is a form of breath work. These are all what we what I call breathing signatures. And so these breathing signatures are either a result of a thought, right? Or we can breathe that way to then create the emotion, to create the chemistry. So it's it's literally a two-way street. You can use your breath to affect your uh, brain chemistry, and you can also use your breath <clears throat> to affect, affect your physical chemistry as well. So that's what we call uh, somatic breathing. And it's, uh, it's, so, it's so fascinating how this all works and how it's all connected. You can actually, uh, there's a really good exercise that people can use. If you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling like, uh, you know, you just need something to, um, to de-stress instantly, there's a really simple exercise that you can do. It's called a physiologic sigh. And uh, what I love to do is, is perhaps uh, show people this quick exercise that, you, that they can use because it'll really help calm their nervous system down. They can use this anywhere they go. So all you do is you take a nice deep breath in, in through the nose, and then at the very top, you're just gonna pack a little bit of extra air in through the mouth, and hold it, and then let it out with an audible sigh. One more time, in through the nose, pack a little bit more air, Hold it, let it out with a sigh on the count of three. One, two, three. Wow. All right. Yeah. So you do four or five of those and you can almost instantly feel a shift in your body. So this is called a physiologic sigh. It's something that we already do. We already sigh when we feel a sense of relief. But if you could exaggerate that breathwork expression, you can actually create the chemistry of relief and de-stress yourself instantly. Yeah, my shoulders were a little tight walking in here. I thought I needed a massage, but I just kind of felt a little release and like in the shoulders right here, just doing a few of those with you there. That was, that was good. Yeah, so good, Sacha. And I uh, love to invite you to come back for part two and dive into somatic breath work. I was looking forward to have that discussion with you. So we're going to have to make that one a part two. But you, uh, yeah, you're a wealth of knowledge and we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for what you've uh, taught us. Every time I, uh, every time I listen to you, I learn something. Such oh, thank was, you. It was amazing. So one last thing for you is, if you have one message for the world, what's that message? Well, I would say that you are the doctor of the future, and really, the future of health is is simple, practical things that you can do for yourself, where health is created from within, with consciousness and awareness. And I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, we had this conversation today to expose people to what they're capable of. And, uh, you know, Jason, just to your point, what we did talk about today is somatic breath work because somatic breath work is how we use our breath to influence our body and our physiology. And so everything we talked about today is somatic breath work. And you can also think of uh, extremes of somatic breath work, which is where we can get into altered states of consciousness. We can get into uh, out-of-body uh, and out of these world experiences and have big, you know, breakthroughs in our business and our personal lives. And I know that's what we're going to be doing for everyone in Quebec. So we did talk about somatic breath work and there are experiences that you can have with somatic breath work that can have, have you just completely uh, mindgasmed and completely blasted into a whole different realm of, of consciousness and self-awareness and, and healing and repair. It's, it's, it's amazing. So I'm so excited uh, uh, to have, you know, 
perhaps even a deeper conversation into where we can go with that in, in part two, if you guys are up for it. And uh, I'm so grateful that we had this time together. Now, we'd love to have you back. And Sasha, thank you so much for being a blessing for us and the listeners and viewers. We look forward to talking to you on another one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. We hope we inspired you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a holistic wealth and health financial plan, please call 456-833-7000. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family.